Can the Denver Broncos offense bounce back this weekend against the Los Angeles Chargers? And can the Broncos defense get off the field on third down? These are some critical elements that will determine the outcome of Sunday's matchup against the Los Angeles Chargers. Sarah Benninger, myself, we break that down and much more on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network. Happy New Year, ladies and gentlemen. By the time, obviously, you're hearing this or you're watching this, it's either New Year's, it's New Year's Eve, depending on which platform you're watching. Lockdown Broncos available free and everywhere. You get your podcast every single day, not to mention you can watch us on YouTube, on your TV, your computer, or your smartphones. Hit that subscribe button, turn on notifications, so you never miss out on all the action. Thank you for making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day, every day, Broncos country. From the South Stands to the Unzone, I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, joined alongside by my co-host, Sarah Bettinger. Both of us, we cover the Denver Broncos for the Lockdown Network and Nine News. And just once again, have a safe and happy New Year, ladies and gentlemen. We have nothing but Broncos talk coming your way here today, just a couple days away until they take on the Los Angeles Chargers on the road. Sarah, we kind of broke down the matchup a little bit yesterday with Daniel Wade, host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast. But now we got to break down the offense, the defense, and some things that could define the outcome of this game, my friend. I can't wait to do it with you. I can't wait either. Yeah, yesterday was a great episode with Daniel. It's always great getting to talk to him. I've got a chance now a couple times to get a talk with him. So I love the crossover episodes. It's been a fun season doing those. And yeah, it, here we go. I mean, we got Broncos football ahead. And obviously, everybody's kind of got one eye on the future. But there is a game to be played. There's things to evaluate. We got another Drew Locke start. We got, you know, opportunities for guys to step up and show that they belong on this team for the foreseeable future. So it's always interesting from that perspective, in my opinion. Well, you got a 7-8 and eight Broncos team taking on an 8-7 and seven Chargers team. And look, the Broncos win this game. They automatically jump up to second place inside the AFC West. And look, they have a chance to win out potentially. If Kansas City wins this week, they lock up the one seed, which means that more than likely we won't see any of the Chiefs starters uh, against the Broncos. We might see a first half. It might be a preseason game in terms of how they choose to play personnel. But obviously, that's just that's next week. Let's focus on this week. Week. The biggest question, Sarah, for the Broncos offense, can they generate explosive plays with Drew Locke and can they bounce back this week after a very porous offensive performance in terms of the run game and offensive line protection, run blocking last week? And I want to pinpoint something here. This is very interesting. Going back and watching some Chargers games, I've noticed a trend, and this is something that Daniel Wade also mentioned yesterday. They give up a lot of explosive plays through the air despite their secondary. He did mention the fact that they have so many different guys rotating that secondary. We're not entirely sure yet if Chris Harris Jr. has been clear off the COVID list to even come back and play in this year. Adderley, Derwin James dealing with a hamstring injury. So obviously that factors into it as well. But this is an opportunity with a Broncos offense now for Drew Locke to get a full week of preparation. The last time he got in against the Chargers this season, it was not good. It was really bad. But he has an opportunity to kind of change that. And I think obviously getting practice reps does help. The Chargers giving up those explosive plays, which is weird considering the defense under Brandon Staley, who did really well with the L.A. Rams. Nobody's talking about the Chargers defense under Brandon Staley. He's a defensive-minded head coach. So, uh, you know, something right there. Staley, their team right now, they're surrendering around 27.4 points per game. That's 31st in the NFL, and they gave up 41 to the Texans. Sarah, I'm just going to say it. If the Broncos can't at least put up 25, 26 points this week against the Chargers, you obviously got to make change. Look, that's obviously something we talked about but then change has to happen. Definitely. I mean, spot on with that. That's exactly that's exactly what it is. Like it's kind of time for enough to be enough, right? With Pat Shermer with the quarterbacks, 
Like you, you finally have to do what you're supposed to do and take advantage of a unit that has struggled and, and take advantage of a unit that doesn't have all of its personnel. And obviously, you know, Vic Fangio is very familiar with Baron and Staley. This offense practices against a similar defense every every day. They see the Vic Fangio defense all the time. They know it. Uh, they know the tendencies. They know Brandon Staley. So I feel like there's a definite advantage there. Maybe maybe a little bit on both sides. But if you're the Denver Broncos, man, you've got to be thinking this is an opportunity to take advantage, even without Tim Patrick. Like you said, Cody, 27.4 points per game allowed by Brandon Staley's defense, 31st in the NFL. That's a far cry from, I believe, the Rams were the number one scoring defense last season with Brandon Staley as D coordinator. So, and especially giving up 41 to the Texans, even with a pick six involved there, that's still a touchdown above their season average in terms of points per game allowed. So, the Broncos have to take advantage, like we talked about in the crossover episode. They have to pound the ball on the ground. Cody, the Chargers are allowing 140.3 rushing yards per game this season, which shockingly is not dead last in the NFL. That's good for <laughs> that's good for 29th. So they're actually only the fourth worst in that category. But still, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, especially Melvin Gordon, going back to Los Angeles, the team that he used to play for, this should be a big-time game for the running backs. But the pressure is going to be on Drew Locke. The wins, wanna, the losses, yeah. they all they all they all you know fall on the back of the quarterback. What does Drew Locke have to do this week to make sure the Broncos come away from this game eight and eight instead of seven and nine? Well, it sounds cliche, sir, but the reality is he's got to protect the football. He did a really good job of that last week against the Raiders, which, you know, the, the alarming statistic was how often he was pressured, like his pressure rate, and they only sent three to four guys, you know, mostly at a time at Drew, and they were winning. So that means that the Raiders' defensive line was dominating the Broncos' offensive line from the onset here. So a lot of it's going to be predicated off of can the offensive line have better protection? Well, Lloyd Cushingberry will be back. He has been activated off the COVID reserve list, so that should help, right? You I mean, ideally, you'd hope you get a key starter back there it definitely helps on the in the interior there. But, you know, Quinn Miners, Dalton Reisner, Bobby Massey, Garrett Bowles, these guys have had a rough two weeks as a unit, I'd say, as an offensive line, and they need to bounce back. They need to find a way to get it going. And I think a lot of it is if they can do that and if Drew has time. I mean, there's some things that Drew did last week that we haven't seen him do in terms of rolling out, looking more comfortable, and throwing the ball downfield with accuracy and, and not panicking, like especially when the pocket was collapsing. He wasn't panicked under that. He sidestepped. He made throws. Unfortunately, guys had some drops. He did have a couple throws and miscommunications that you want to get back. But Drew's just got to do what he did last week, protect the football, take shots downfield, and, and maximize your opportunities. And, you know, it's not just going to be on Drew. It's going to be on the O-line. It's also going to be on Pat Shermer, Sarah. So something to watch for here for the Denver Broncos on the offensive side of the ball. And ladies and gentlemen, coming up here in just a moment, Sarah and I, we're going to ask a question. Can the Broncos' defense find a way to get off the field on third down? And can they stop the run this week against the L.A. Chargers? Something that they struggled with last week against the Raiders. We talk about that and dive into it a little bit more in detail. But before we do that, let me tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. It's our good friends over there at Bill Bar, and it's New Year's, so that means that you have New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about to get fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bill Bar in your plan, ladies and gentlemen, because Bill Bar is the healthiest protein bar that is out there on the market today. The bars they're literally covered in 100% chocolate. You take a bite into them; they're soft and they're easy to chew, and they have amazing flavors. They have nine amazing flavors to be exact that are consistent. Plus, they have the occasional limited time flavors that circulate all throughout the month at Built.com. And as we said, if you need extra fuel to get through your day, 
Built Bar is the best protein bar for you because the bars contain 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. That is tremendous value for something that contains 100% milk chocolate. And I want you to check it out here today by going to Built.com and get you and your family a box for the new year. Check out all the flavors that they have there, Built.com. And when you go to checkout, make sure you use promo code LOCKED15, and that's going to get you 15% off your next order at Built.com. Once again, promo code LOCKED15 gets you 15% off at Built.com. Happy New Year's. All right, Sarah, jumping into the second half action on today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. We talked about the offense. Look, they got to protect the football. That's going to really boil down to it. They got to generate momentum to get downfield and finish drives, not play for the field goal. I think we're very adamant about that. But this is also a big week as well for the Broncos defense. They're taking on one of the NFL's top offenses. And in terms of that, also one of the top passing offenses in the National Football League with Justin Herbert and the weapons that they do have there. The biggest question, Sarah, that I think coming into this week, we were asking ourselves, can the Broncos get off the field on third down? They struggled last week against the Raiders, going allowing six of 12, 50% conversion by the Raiders on third down situations. But, you know, Sarah, it all started, and you can have maybe a, a more ideal line of success on third down if, in fact, you win first down. And that's really the critical thing here because, look, the Broncos' third down defense, they are bottom 10, they're 26 in the NFL in terms of allowing teams to convert on third down at a rate of 42.9%. So last week, 50% to the Raiders, that's above their season average. And so the Chargers offense, when you look at them, they are third in the NFL at converting on third down situations at 46.3%. First down, second down, I mean, third down are going to be critical, but it's really going to be about how the Broncos get into rhythm defensively. So, Sarah, in your opinion, when we talk about third down, what is the key for the Broncos in terms of having success, maybe avoiding these big plays or giving up third downs? I think it starts with winning on first down, Cody. I think obviously that's the that's the big thing. I remember back to the 2015 championship season for the Denver Broncos. They were so good at stopping the run on first down that teams had to open up their passing attack on second and third down. That's just that's how that's what opened things up for the Broncos. The difference this year, Cody, is a lot is what a lot of people I think think is the number one need for this Denver Broncos defense and that's pass rush. And we saw actually a pretty darn good pass rush against the Raiders. We saw Shelby Harris get home for a strip sack. We saw, you know, a a number of other guys. Stephen Weatherly was back there making plays. Bradley Chubb was back there making plays. The the pass rush was much better against the Raiders in this most recent game. But on the season whole, it hasn't been very good in terms of just bringing a quality pass rush on obvious passing downs. The third down defensive success, I think, can be directly attributed to those two things. First and foremost, are you winning the line of scrimmage against the run on first down? Secondly, are you able to get home with your pass rush on third and medium, third and long? A lot of times the Broncos haven't been. And I think in a number of these games that they've won and lost this season, Cody, uh, the pass rush has been such a key factor whether they get home or not, a lot of times the Broncos are getting lucky with other teams dropping passes. Case in point, look back to the last time they played against the Chargers. How did Pat Sertan catch uh, catch an interception for a pick six? The ball went right off the hands of Austin Eckler. So I, I just that has happened time and time again. You could go back to the Jets game. You could go back to a number of different games throughout the season. Teams dropping passes has kind of bailed out the Broncos' lack of pass rush throughout the season. And we know that that Justin Herbert we know who he's going to be looking for especially if Mike Williams status is still up in the air as of Sunday but we know who he's going to be going to on those third down plays 
Well, you know, you make a great point there. That guy, it's Keenan Allen. And, and look, we can talk about him as being one of the best route runners alongside he and Jerry Judy. You can make the argument between the two guys there. But one thing they like to do on third down, they'll move. So initially they'll come out and they'll come out wide. They'll motion Keenan Allen sort of inside, kind of bunched tight to the end man on the line of scrimmage. And what they'll do from there, they can go a wide variety of moves. When you motion a guy from the outside to the inside, he can go vertical and extend outside. He can go across the field or he can go vertical and then deep ends, deep overs. That's the things that we can see from him. So it's, it's a very tough task, and the Broncos have to figure it out because last week, Sarah, this was something that the Raiders did. They came out in a lot of bunch formations here. The Broncos played off-man coverage, and they got beat several times at about six, seven yards of depth playing off the football. The Broncos have the personnel to play press man-to-man coverage. I understand you don't want to reveal your hand pre-snap, but you have to find a way to do that because you're playing against probably one of the best wide receiving cores in the NFL in terms of a one-two punch. When we talk about Keenan Allen and if Mike Williams does play, there is that. So on third down, you know who I'm looking for, Sarah? I'm looking for where number 13 is and who's going to draw that matchup assignment because that's going to be very critical if the Broncos want to get some stops here on third down. Going to be very huge for them. Outside of that, you know, we, we talk about the Broncos run defense. Now, Sarah, you know, very uh, surprising statistic happened. And obviously no surprise last week with the Broncos giving up the amount of rushing yards that they did to Josh Jacobs. What happened with the Broncos defense this week as it pertains to preparing for this matchup? And they dropped from the sixth ranked run defense in the NFL all the way down to 13th, which I feel like is much more representative of what we've seen throughout the yeah. season. We keep telling people on the crossover episodes when they ask, like, what is the what is the weakness of this Denver Broncos defense? The thing that I keep coming back to is, like, sporadically, it feels like every, every other week or every two to three games, the run defense is porous, and it, and it just stinks. And a lot of that is because of the linebacker, you know, shuffling that the Broncos have had to do all year. So I feel like the 13th position in terms of total run defense this season – is much more reflective of how the Broncos have kind of been on the season whole. You know, they have had some really dominant games. But if you were to tell me going into this game, oh, yeah, that's the sixth-ranked run defense in the NFL, to <laughs> me the sixth-ranked run defense is much more consistent in yep. terms of stopping the run. The Broncos haven't been able to be consistent. They're capable of being dominant against the run. But I think 13th is much a much better reflection of where they're at in terms of having given up some really dud games against the run this season. Uh, that's been the most demoralizing thing about the defense, right? I'd say for the most part, the defense has been consistently good, especially in the secondary, but it's been against the run. That's really been frustrating. It's been an eyesore for this team when Broncos fans watch because all of a sudden, you know, you have them back, you have a team backed up in a second and 14, and there's been times where the Broncos have given up 12 on a second and 14, and that is infuriating. And I know coaches get pissed at it too. I mean, but the reality is it boils down to they got to do a better job at the point of attack, right? You mentioned earlier, winning at the line of scrimmage between the offensive line for the Broncos against the Chargers. It's the same thing for the Broncos defensive line against the Chargers offensive line, which is also banged up and missing some key guys. So we'll see if the Broncos can take advantage. But also one thing, ladies and gentlemen, too, can Pat Shermer or will he this week take advantage of utilizing the personnel in the right way? There's been some interesting examples of how Pat Shermer has used several of the key Broncos offensive weapons the last couple of weeks. We talk about that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you about the other sponsor. Today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. It's a good friends over there, BetOnline.ag. And BetOnline has you covered this holiday season and New Year's 
with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season. And yes, we have the college football playoffs beginning and pro football playoffs beginning here in just a couple of weeks. And BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the sports action this season. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to receive that deposit bonus here today from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC. Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers that are available for the 2021 season and now approaching 2022. Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, so don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing new offers that are available. Bet online where the game starts. All right, sir, as we jump into the fourth quarter action on today's episode, Lockdown Broncos, just a reminder, Broncos country, we love you. We appreciate you. Happy New Year. Stay safe. Thank you for always making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day, whether that's on your favorite podcast provider, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify, not to mention here on YouTube. You want to watch Sarah and I on your TV, on your phone or your computer. You got us here. Lockdown Broncos on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Turn on notifications so you never miss out on all the action. While you're watching this video, go ahead and do us a favor. Hit that thumbs up button here on the video. Like it. It helps push it out for the algorithm. It helps us grow to even more Broncos fans that may not know about this podcast. And also another holiday treat. If you have a Broncos fan that you know that doesn't know about this podcast, put them onto it. And let's see if uh, let's see if they enjoy it. And obviously you guys can bond over that as well. But Sarah, my friend, as we get a little bit deeper on in today's episode of the show, uh, there's been some talk. And obviously there was a great screenshot, a great screen grab from the All-22 that has circulated its way around Twitter. And it was against the Raiders and how Pat Shermer, Broncos offensive coordinator, has utilized guys like Cortland Sutton. And, you know, I, I kind of always wanted you to talk about it because I know it's something that peeves you, peeves me, but I, I want to hear your reaction to it. What key player was used in the most ridiculous way when we talk about his skill set and just the Broncos offense in general last week? And what do we hope we don't see this week from Pat Shermer? Oh, my goodness. That's a great setup, Cody. And it's it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect to get into because, man, Cortland Sutton, who is the Broncos unquestioned wide receiver one. And I think it's, you know, based on statistics, it could be arguable based on how much you love Jerry Judy. It's arguable. But in terms of pure dollars and cents, Cortland Sutton is the wide receiver one of the Denver Broncos. And so what do you do with your wide receiver one? If you're an offensive coordinator, how do you put him in position to succeed you put him as an inline blocking tight end, of course, you know, and, and I can't believe our good pal Mario posted a screenshot and I'd seen somebody else had posted the video of the play itself. But man, my goodness, you see number 14 down there on the line. And this is not a joke. This is a, we give Pat Shermer a lot of crap on this show because I mean, I think deservedly so we don't do it just to be funny. We don't do it just to join in with all the people who are kind of detractors. We do it because we're analyzing what he's doing and you can't make this kind of stuff up. Cortland Sutton literally lined up as an inline tight end. When you have guys like Albert Okuwebunam, Eric Saubert, heck, you could just call up Sean Beyer off the practice squad and have him play your inline tight end position. But no, you put Cortland Sutton out there. That, to me, Cody, is kind of just a microcosm of everything bad that Pat Shermer does and has done for this team. Just completely misusing the personnel. Completely uh, just – it's it's almost a, a state where you just – you have no words. You have no words yeah. to describe what it is. You, you get so frustrated by this kind of stuff. We see during the game different examples of how he's misusing – different players on the offense. How many times have we talked about Noah Fant being misused? How many times have we talked about Jerry Judy being misused? How many times have we talked about players X, Y, and Z? Remember the the game where Javante Williams had like nine carries or something? I mean, we talked about almost every player on the offense being misused. But man, 
in this game against the Chargers, I hope we don't see any more of Cortland Sutton at tight end. And I hope we also don't see another guy constantly running in motion as we have all year. When you're talking about Jerry Judy, look, and this is the thing that also frustrates me in terms of consistency with Pat Shermer. The beginning of the game against the Raiders, you know what the Broncos did? They got Jerry Judy involved downfield. That was nice to see. That was great to see. That's exactly what you should see from Jerry Judy. Instead, in the second half, we saw more motion across the field where literally he's coming across the line of scrimmage behind the center, going to the other side of the field. The ball gets snapped, and then that corner is already playing off-man coverage, and he's just watching to see what Jerry does there. They're playing zone to that side, and they're automatically adjusting, uh, you know, checking and dropping back, and they're knowing, oh, you know what? The Broncos, they're not looking to Jerry Judy once he goes in motion. He's a decoy. We don't got to worry about him. That's how defenses have been playing it. And I think it's so frustrating. And, you know, there's also another player here that the Broncos have used in that kind of role this season. But we talk about Tim Patrick being down. Yesterday, we gave some ideas. There's Travis Fulgham. There's also Seth Williams. You hope that the Broncos use this guy over another guy who's currently on the roster that, unfortunately, this season has been very disappointing from a return aspect. Who might that be? I'd rather see pretty much anybody that's in the wide receiver group, whether we're talking about the active roster or practice squad, instead of Deontay Spencer. And no offense to Deontay Spencer, the guy, but like you said, he's disappointed in terms of his punt return and kickoff returns this season. We saw, uh, again, teams kicking to him to try to get him out to return a kick. Like, like they're intentionally trying to get him yeah. to return their kickoffs, which is not a good sign. And, and furthermore, you want to talk about how useless it is to have Jerry Judy running in motion. Just look at the fact that when the Broncos sub him out, a lot of times the guy that runs in motion, or at least some of the times, is Deontay Spencer. They just don't utilize that that player. They think that Pat Schirmer thinks that window dressing, as you've called it, Cody, he thinks that if you put Deontay Spencer out there, the defense is going to be fooled into thinking, well, maybe they're going to give this super fast guy the ball. But that's not the case. Deontay Spencer's not even a good decoy in that regard because he's never really done anything for the offense. So to me, it just highlights the fact that you put him out there, you're wasting a play. You're wasting one of your 11 players that you have on the field because that guy has not proven to be a threat with the ball in his hands in over a year. Last time we saw it was against Carolina last season when he returned one for a touchdown. Other than that, Deontay Spencer, it's kind of like, what have you done for me lately? So I, not that I wish wish him ill or anything like that. I want yeah. him to have success, but I don't feel like the Broncos and Pat Shermer should be utilizing him in this game. Oh, yeah, especially with the way that they utilize him, right? You know, I, I think if you do those, like early on in the season, if the Broncos are doing that jet sweep, sure, I wouldn't be opposed to them using Deontay Spencer for that. However, they haven't. So it's like, it's just, you're putting somebody out there and pretty much you're going 11 versus 10. The defense has 11 players. The offense pretty much has 10 from that standpoint there. And nobody is fooled by it. So it just goes back to the lack of creativity that Pat Schirmer's offense has. And you know, look, Broncos country, changes are going to happen. Pat Schirmer's not going to be back with the Broncos in 2022. However, we must all deal with the offense and hope that in these final two games they at least put together some productivity and consistency in these final two matchups against the Chargers this week and the Chiefs next week in a home finale Sarah and I we're going to have you covered here Lockdown Broncos Blaze Gemma once again we hope you have a very 
happy and safe new year. And not to mention, we're going to see you next year for a brand new episode of Lock and Brock. Because that's just a couple days, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry. We're not going away for 365 days. But outside of that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we got you covered for the post-game report. Broncos, Chargers on Sunday. Sarah Benger, myself, Turning Dows here. Lockdown Broncos. Free and available everywhere you get your podcasts. And also subscribe here on YouTube so you can watch us, interact with us, and share your Broncos thoughts. Your interaction in the comment section means the world of Sarah and myself. So leave your comments in the comment section down below. We'll be sure to respond to them throughout the days and weeks ahead here on the Lockdown Broncos Podcast. With us at Broncos Country, we'll see you for the post-game report. Broncos, Chargers on Sunday, SoFi Stadium.